0: Daddy Squared, the Gay Dad podcast with Alex Megan and Jan McGill.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of Daddy Squared, the Gay Dads Podcast. Alex is like ah, backing away from the microphone. How was your week?
0: Uh, I don't know. I, I have to say I'm not in showbiz, or at least I, I don't do it directly myself, and I have to say that there are times when we press record, start recording this thing, and I say to myself, okay, I gotta be, yay! And I'm not particularly
1: yay at the moment, so. <laughs> That's okay, I'll, let me let me just lead you in. I, you I, to- I have a, f- yes. a few things. First of all, I wanna announce in front of everybody that both Alex and me are in the Free Britney business. <laughs> we we are rooting for Britney to be freed. I, I I do want Britney
0: to have her freedom. I want her to have self-determination. I want her to have these things. But I got to say, one of the things that I find so confusing about all of this is these decisions are made by a judge. It's not a jury. It's not like, you know, people fo- vote by phone or something like that. This is done by a judge. Now, I don't know this judge. Maybe this judge is horribly corrupt. But if the judge is not horribly corrupt, then what is going on? Like generally speaking in America, we don't take away an adult's ability to self-determine unless there's really strong evidence that she's gonna be a, a severe harm to herself. And I don't know, I mean, I. Maybe there is evidence we just don't see, and we don't know.
1: I agree with you, but the only thing that that really I don't understand, and maybe somebody can explain me that. Like, I understand that maybe she is not capable of taking care of herself, but the accusation toward her father are so big that why can't the judge move the conservatorship to, to another, somebody else? Yeah, yeah. to another, another person. Yeah, I don't I know.
0: know. I don't know. But look, but but like so many things in Hollywood and whatever you want to call Hollywood entertainment, etc. One thing I think we must always be very careful about is thinking we know, because both my husband and I have worked in one way or another in entertainment long enough to know that the people who generate bullshit in the Hollywood space, there are so many of them and there are so many layers of it. That whenever you think you know, whenever you think you know that Ellen DeGeneres is a horrible person, maybe she's not. Whenever you think George Clooney is Hollywood royalty and is such a kind, thoughtful person, maybe he's a puppy kicker.
1: We don't know. We don't really know. Yeah, that's true. Um, anyway, that's not what I wanted to talk to you about. I wanted to talk to you about the things that we as gay dads cannot talk to straight moms about. Ooh. Because I think that, you know, I was trying to think like... We, are the, we have this new friendship with a straight couple, right? Yes. And we like them a lot. Yes. Uh, but then there's stuff that we cannot talk with them about. Interestingly, we, much more Well, you dad. can talk about everything.
0: Much more the dad. Yeah. Because like, the mom, she's mm, she's out there. You can talk to her about all kinds of things if you want to.
1: Well, I can talk to her. I mean, I'm not going to talk to her about You're a shrinking things violent. that we're doing, you know, under the cover. Well. For example, all of my friends know your measurements. Ew. I know. That's distasteful. But, you know. Can they handle
0: a number that large? Um, Yeah. I mean, I do think that it is one of the uh, challenges in being a a gay couple with kids is that, right, uh, we've talked about this on the podcast before. You really, really need other parents to hang out with because being a parent without other parents to hang out with is a really difficult thing to pull off, right? So when we hang out with our gay dad friends, it's relatively smooth and easy, but you're right that it's a little bit more bumpy when you hang out with the straight couples, Although, again, I find that, interestingly, it's a little bit more uncomfortable with the men yes, than it is true. with the,
1: the moms. Yeah, the because moms, the moms, like, loves us.
0: They love us. They want to, like, you know, pretend
1: that they're gay men, too, and, well, <laughs> you know. I think that there are two types of gay men. I would say that there are some gay men who are kind of like to get into the, like, I'm going to say that word, heteronormative <laughs> behavior <laughs> and not talk about these things, but we're not like that. We're, we're like not talk about what things? Things that you can talk only to gay men about. I and know. you guys know at home exactly what I'm I talking about. I don't know. About. It's one
0: of my goals on this podcast, even though this is not really the purpose of the podcast, is to destroy terminology. I want to destroy as much terminology as yeah, possible.
1: Yeah, you don't like heteronormative.
0: Heteronormative? Destroyed. Consider that term destroyed. I can't stand it anymore. Look, just Fucking be who the hell you are. Enough already. God. Daddy Squared.
1: Daddy Squared around the world. Each episode we visit a different country. Today's Ireland. Ireland. Alex is the last one before season finale. Oh my God. I know. Can you imagine? We've been here for like four months already. (laughs) Uh, Our guest today is Minister Roderick O'Gorman. He's the Minister for Children, Equality, Disability, Integration, and Youth. He's a member of the Green Party, he has a husband, his name is Ray, and they don't have kids, but I thought that bringing him to our show as a minister of equality, talking about equality for gay dads, we're like, yes, please, come (laughs) over. He was joined by one of his colleagues, Owen Wilson. Owen is like, he's not going to talk a lot, Unless, unless you call him out. Yes. But before we go to the interview, you know, we have a traditional facts about... About Ireland. Okay. Yes. Let's see what you have. Uh, it was founded on December 29, 1937.
0: Okay, just once again for everybody, because we do this almost every single time, there are different kinds of foundings of a As
1: country. a state, okay? Fine. Are you fine with that? Yeah. He knows everything. You know, guys, I married I'm, a very smart person. I'm
0: pedantic. Go on. You
1: know what it reminds me of? What? The patience, and I want to say it in front of everybody right now, the patience that you have to answer all of our kids' questions about information that they ask you, uh, Daddy, where's the salt come from? Yeah. D- Daddy, why is the sun is shining in the... <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> well, oh my God. And he's like... Because in physics, you guys, blah blah, 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 And I'm like, stop hearing from here. Like, I'm like, oh my God. Just, as an, aside, like, just know, as an aside, just as
0: an aside, I don't know if we've talked about this before, but when I, when the kids were babies, I had a brutally difficult time and my husband, Jan, took me aside once and he said to me, you know what, this is really, really, especially hard for you, but when they start to talk and you can start interacting with them will become your time. And I have to say, that's the thing. Like, when they're actually interacting with me and talking to me, yeah, I don't care what they ask me. If they want to learn about the world and all that kind of stuff, that's so great. It's fun. I can't get enough of that. No, they can ask me if the squad- If you
1: guys have any question that your kids ask you, please write to us at hello at com, and Alex will... Provide you with an audio explanation <laughs> to play to your kids. I'm happy to do that stuff.
0: Also, I'm just like her, except without an, another A at That's the end. That's
1: correct. I'm Alex, Alex ah. without the A. Ah. Um, okay, back to Ireland. Yes. The population is uh, 499 million, almost 5 million. What is 499? 4.99. Million?
0: 4.99 million oh, really? People.
1: Okay, all right. I thought it was more. And the currency is Euro. Uh, national food is Irish stew.
0: I'm so afraid to ask what's in Irish stew because I have, you know, I mean, this is a prejudice and it's inappropriate, but I assume there's a <laughs> stomach involved
1: with it. Uh, No. Okay, good. Uh, it's a, th- well, it doesn't say exactly which part of the sheep it is, but it's a. Uh, uh. <laughs> it's a, a m- mutton.
0: It's mutton? Mutton, mutton is, mut- yeah, mutton is lamb. I think uh, it's a lamb. Okay, yeah.
1: Lamb and potatoes. Mutton, potatoes, and onions. Okay, actually, that sounds pretty good. Stew. All right. Oh, three things you didn't know came from Ireland. Uh, flavored potato chips. Okay. Okay. I, uh, Joseph uh, Murphy developed a cheese and onion flavored crisps in 1954. You go, Joe. He sold it to Lays and became a millionaire. Oh. Okay. The uh, second thing that came from Ireland is Guinness beer. Well, you know, Irish you know. beer is new. Is yeah.
0: No. You're not going to get any argument from me so far. Where are we about to go?
1: No, and that's one, that one is a is a It's given. a gimme. It's a gimme. It's okay. a gimme. The third one is uh, also a given. What? Sinead Connor. Uh, and we just have to talk about her because no, I know that every time you see a no, photo of her, you're like, not. oh my God, look, it's Sinead O'Connor.
0: And yeah, things went a little weird with Sinead O'Connor. I mean, she was weird all the time. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful voice and a few great songs. But yeah, she's gone not only politically, but visually a little bit. Mm, I don't know what's going on there. Do There's- you know her real name? Oh, it's not Sinead? No. What is it? Shahada. Shahada. Shuhada. Shuhada.
1: Shuhada. Oh my God, it's like in Arabic.
0: It sounds Arabic to yeah. me, but that's another thing that I knew came sounds- from Ireland. I knew that came from Ireland. <laughs>
1: Um, Ireland is of course as you know in Europe yes so Ireland holds the r- current record of seven times winning the Eurovision so Contest, wow. including four times in five years so it's like 1992 1993 1994 which by itself is a record and then 1996 again wow um, I will talk to them about Eurovision you cannot stop me no, about this I had no expectation um, I'll try to make it as, as short as possible I'm sorry for all of the Americans, but you're going to have to learn. It's coming to America in 2022, and we have to be ready, especially all the gays here. Yeah. Mm. Okay, Alex, we're going to Dublin, Ireland. All right. All right, let's get on the plane.
2: We're going to Ireland.
1: Roderick, hi.
2: Hi guys, thanks very much for having me on. I really uh, really was surprised at the invitation, but uh, delighted to be here.
1: Thank you so much for being with us. Um, We're going to talk a lot about the quality and being gay dads in Ireland, but I would like to start with something that I actually saw this morning on an Irish newspaper. Um, I saw that a gay dad uh, who's very apparently famous in Ireland, his name is Mark Feely. He was uh, interviewed uh, and called the Irish government to put surrogacy legislation in place. So I want Alex to read the quotes of what he said Mm -hmm. in the interview, and I want to talk about it with you from your end.
0: Yeah, great. Okay, Uh, this is from Mark Feely. At the moment in Ireland, the legislation is designed around the sort of more traditional heterosexual, a man and a woman have a baby, and at the moment, families who have children through surrogacy are having to squeeze themselves into the rules and the laws that have been made up for a completely different situation. He also said... And kids that are born through surrogacy at the moment when they come back to Ireland are having to sort of be fitted into the laws that were made up for a different set of people. And I really think it's important that Ireland... Quite quickly, uh, seeing as the amount of people that are having children through surrogacy, whether they be same-sex parents or not, the children are here, they're born, and they deserve to be recognized. It's not an emergency because all the kids are loved and they have loving families and everything, but they deserve to be taken care of legally, and it's not there at all, and it just needs to speed up because these children are here now. That's a direct quote, perhaps should have been cleaned up editorially, but there it is. Um, and, and certainly it is. It's uh, it seems like if there's ever somebody who we would want to talk to about that subject and ask you where things stand and where you think they're going, uh, Roderick, it would be you.
2: Yeah, no, I, I think that's actually a really good summation that, that Mark Feely gave of the situation here in Ireland at the moment. And I think in terms of surrogacy, the problems are faced by, by gay couples and by uh, by uh, straight couples as well. Uh, we have very little legislation about surrogacy and how the law treats uh, children born of surrogacy uh, irrespective of, of how the, 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 the child was conceived. Um, and that's something that this government is, is acting on. We committed, so our, our government is about a year old and in our program for government, we committed to acting on this. So the main law, laws on surrogacy is, is d- dealt with by our Department of Health um, and they will be leading on this, but my department is the Department of Equality and also the Department of Children and also the Department of Justice have all been working together uh, so the three ministers have met on a number of times with our attorney general, who's our, our kind of the, the legal advisor to the government, because, as I'm sure you know, there are many different circumstances in which uh, a child can be conceived as a result of surrogacy and different people can be involved, depending on the, the, the particular approach taken. So there's a whole range of legal relationships that have to be regulated. And obviously, of course, central to that is the rights of the child and um, And we are meeting and I'm actually meeting with the Minister for Justice and the Minister for Health next week to continue to work on this. Obviously, our Department of Health, like every Department of Health across the world, has been absolutely focused on COVID uh, over the last 15 months. But I think as we come out of COVID now and certainly the situation here in Ireland is is improving significantly, we need to prioritise issues like this and it is it's it is a priority for our, this government and our Taoiseach, our, our Prime Minister, um, stated at a Cabinet meeting a number of weeks ago that the lack of law in this area has been allowed to drag on for too long. And I know Mark said it's not a, an emergency, but it is, it, it leaves hundreds, if not soon to be thousands of children in a really grey area in terms of their legal rights with respect of their their two parents, and that can't go on. So uh, there is a commitment to address this. Three ministers have been working together. It is complex. It's going to be a big piece of law when it comes in, but uh, we're committed to to addressing this issue uh, in this government.
0: Is this something that will be highly contentious or in the government as it stands today in Ireland, is it likely to be a relatively smooth ride?
2: I think the principle will be fine. Uh, I think the detail uh, in terms of um, how the different relationships uh, between parents and their children, and uh, I suppose birth, birth mothers and uh, all those relationships, and the situation whether the surrogate uh, is here in Ireland or if the surrogate is abroad, and can the uh, surrogate be paid for the the for, for for carrying the child beyond kind of normal expenses? Um, uh, I, there are there are a range of issues and when we when we get into that level of detail different people have different views but i i think in general there is there is an understanding that that this is a reality and uh, there are a, a, a very and a growing number of children uh who were conceived through surrogacy who are living with 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 their parents and who are loved by their parents here in ireland to be their parents gay or straight and there is an understanding that we need to make uh, legal provision for them, and we need to la- make legal provision for 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 those who will be conceived through through uh, through surrogacy uh, and other forms of donor assisted human reproduction in, in the future. Uh,
0: you know, fully independent of the question of um, you know whether the parents are gay or or whatever. Um, is the current what is the current state of law with regard to surrogacy itself is surrogacy uh, legal in Ireland at this time
2: uh, there is very little regulation on the the issue at the moment, and and, and that's it, it's this grey area at, at the moment, and and that's the that's the problem we have.
0: I see, and it's not inherited from the European Union in any form. the 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 rules that govern surrogacy are independent from country to country. Mm-hmm
2: they are yeah because I see. The issues of kind of family law aren't regulated at an EU level it's 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 regulated at a, a member state level so there are different practices uh, across the uh, across the European
1: Union a few episodes ago we talked uh, with tom snow from australia he's the founder of uh, the australian equality movement and he told us that a lot of their work they were looking to ireland and everything that happened in your country so i wanted to ask uh, so obviously, Ireland is influencing other countries. Do you guys look at other countries as well? In let's say for surrogacy or you know other laws, uh, are you guys influenced by other countries? And if yes, which countries?
2: Interesting question. And I know I know some of the key organizers from the I- I- Irish uh, Yes Equality campaign would have been very active in the in the similar campaign in Austria, Australia during their referendum. I I think, I suppose, from the the mid-2000s on, there were major strides in uh, gay rights across the world and from, obviously, the the Massachusetts decision uh, initially in in the United States and ones that followed on from that were hugely significant. And then, obviously, we saw referenda in, in, in U.S. states in terms of trying to bring in uh, uh, protection of marriages between a man and a woman. And we saw examples of that in, in other European countries as well, whereas other countries were legislating through their parliaments to provide for initially civil unions and, uh, or, or civil partnerships and subsequently same-sex marriage. So my party, the Green Party, would have been in government between 2007 and 2010. And during that time, we brought in civil partnership Uh, which was a very significant jump but wasn't marriage and we always saw it as a stepping stone towards marriage. Um, And then just really a a huge drive towards having a referendum crystallized in the, I suppose, the the kind of the the 2010s on. um, And I suppose on that one, and it's something we're always proud of in terms of we weren't the first country to vote on the issue, but we were the first country to get the right results at a a, a public referendum. Um, And that was a very well organized campaign and it involved a lot of civil society groups coming together with almost all the political parties somewhere more committed than others but all the political parties in our parliament supported uh, that, 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 that campaign. Um, and I think it, it was it, it was a novel approach in Ireland and you know you're, you're probably aware a number of years later we had a vote on uh, allowing access to, to abortion in in Ireland uh, allowing women the right to, to, to make up their their own mind in terms of their own bodies. and that campaign in Ireland was very much influenced by the marriage equality referendum campaign. But like, so I suppose we'd always have been looking at what was happening in other countries, but our Supreme Court had made a decision in the kind of late 20, uh, um, in in, in the late 2000s in terms of that we couldn't, the the right to marriage for same-sex couples, the right to marriage equality couldn't be provided through the courts. It would require a referendum. And once that was decided, It meant, well, okay, a referendum is the only thing to do, so we now have to set out to pressure governments, A, to hold the referendum, and then B, to win the referendum.
1: I want to talk a little bit about uh, homophobia in Ireland, because, you know, I came with the perception that Ireland is a very conservative country. There is a lot of, uh, you know, orthodox religious people in there, and... On a personal note to our podcast, most of our hate mail comes from Ireland really? for for really strange reasons. Is it the And good, it has it been the- since this first season. Really? Yes. So I want to talk a little bit about what the, the dark side, I want to call it, of uh, the homophobia, the people who are resisting gay or you know LGBT people.
2: Okay, um, well, first of all, I'm really surprised to hear that you, you're getting uh, hate mail from, from Ireland. Ireland's a very small country, so if you give me their names, I'll probably find <laughs> out who they are, and I'll uh, I and can, have a firm word with them.
0: I promise um, you it's very lyrical. Don't worry. The, the, it's beautifully <laughs> written.
2: Well, listen, it's, if it's uh, lyrical or not, it's, it's, it's not acceptable. I, I think a lot of people have a view of Ireland. Ireland has changed radically since the 1990s. So, you know, I would say certainly we've, we're not as highly a religious country anymore. Uh, it is, you know, a, a, a minority of people would attend church service at this point, and it would be primarily maybe older age groups. Uh, if you look at the number of people declaring themselves as atheists uh, every year, it, it, every at every census, it grows and grows. There are a lot of people who'd still declare themselves as Catholic, but, but wouldn't really be practicing. So I think that notion of Ireland as a very Catholic and religious country isn't really accurate anymore. In terms of homophobia, and uh, like there is still homophobia in, in our country, as there is in any country, but it is... You know, there are some countries, unfortunately, there are some countries in Europe now where homophobia is almost acceptable. Like it is seen as OK for the, the gov- government ministers in Poland or Hungary to say absolutely awful things. Yeah. Like if a government minister in Ireland said something homophobic, they'd be gone the next day. So homophobia officially, like anyone in government or anyone in kind of public life saying something Like meaningfully homophobic would pretty much be cancelled immediately, and so it's not acceptable uh, in kind of Irish culture anymore to be homophobic, and and that was a huge change. And again, in the early two thousands, like there was a dramatic change. Like when I was in school, and and I would have left school kind of. secondary school or, or your equivalent of high school in 2000 and, and gone to university like I, I there was no chance of me coming out in school there was just no chance at all i was back in my school a couple of weeks ago my my, my secondary school and they now fly the pride flag there so like the, there's been and look, okay it's <laughs> yeah. school a while now whatever 19 20 years out but um there's been a, a, a huge change in societal attitudes towards uh, and the LGBTI plus community now. Pride is a massive event, the Pride Parade is a huge event in, in our country it's celebrated uh, in communities all over the country that being said, in the last few weeks in the city of Waterford which is our I think our, our fourth uh, biggest city uh, the city council have been flying the Pride flag for, 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 for Pride week there and on three occasions now a flag has been taken down and burnt and that's made news because it's so unusual. But it does remind us there are people there who are looking to uh, make an issue and, and undertake a, a homophobic act. And as it happens, I'm because of that I'm going down there on Monday, and I'm going to present them with uh, a pride flag just to show a little bit of solidarity with the council, because all the politicians have condemned it. So it's not getting any sort of popular or public support. Mm-hmm. But there is, a, you know, this instance has happened. And I should say, when I became minister, as I said, I I became minister basically this time last year, there was in the first month after I became minister, uh, an online, primarily online campaign against me, um, uh, kind of trying to, implying that I couldn't be minister for children because I was gay, implying that because I met Peter Tatchell once, who's an LGBT uh, plus activist in the UK, um, that I was tied into pedophilia, like it was really nasty stuff and it was organized as well. It was found out later on that um, kind of far-right activists were using telegram and other things to target me, target my social media, target my party. And it actually culminated in a, a, a demonstration against me outside our national parliament that about maybe 250 kind of knuckle-draggers attended to, to, to have a go, go at me. Um, and look, we we got past it. Um, there, it, it didn't get any real credence. But um, you know, in the first month of, of me taking up this role, it was it was a very different experience. I've I've been lucky in my life. I, I've lived my life without any a manifest experience of homophobia up to that point. Uh, yeah. But it was a real eye opener for me. And thankfully, my parents aren't. Uh, online they, they wouldn't be onto Twitter or anything and I, I'm very glad because it was they were aware slightly of what was going on but they certainly weren't waking up to see kind of pedo 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 written all over my Facebook and oh. and, and tweets certainly along, along those lines say that, that I, I wouldn't have liked
1: them seeing that yeah well
0: M- minister let me just tell you I believe Genuinely, that if you don't have um, two hundred and fifty or more people protesting outside of your office when you are Minister of Equality, you are not doing it right. So, <laughs> congratulations. Uh, um, also, it might, might I, I su- also might I suggest that when you present the gay flag to uh, the city, make sure it's not made of polyester this time, because that goes up in flames really easily yeah Uh, yeah
1: do do something with a flame retardant we talked a little bit about surrogacy at the beginning of the interview and i want to ask you um so gay men right now in ireland who want to have want to become parents i assume surrogacy is just one option what is what about adoption or co-parenting or people doing that too
2: uh, yeah, uh, gay male couples can can uh, adopt on the the base same basis as as, as, uh, as lesbian couples and, and straight couples. Um, internally in Ireland, there there aren't as many, I suppose, uh, mothers giving their children up for adoption anymore. So the number of children who are available to adopt every year are very small. And um, uh, uh, some adoptions would take place within a family, maybe if, if family members have deceased. And um, I I think I'm just, I I don't have the figures in front of me now, but the 2016 census um, showed that about 10% of cohabiting or married same-sex couples had children. So their um, adoption is a route. We have a process in Ireland called fostering, which is where a, um, which I'm I'm sure you you have in the States or something Mm -hmm. similar as well, where a family take a child in, they don't, let's say, take over the direct parental relationship in the way as, as, as an adoption, but they they become the caregivers of that child while um, maybe that, that child's own parent or parents are, are in some degree of difficulty. And again, uh, a, a lot of LGBTI plus parents and uh, families uh, uh, foster children as well.
1: Are there any organizations that uh, that guide Gay, I'm, I'm we're talking about gay men but um, i assume like lgbt people in general uh, that guide them uh, if they want to have ba- uh, like if you, they want to have kids what can they do
2: there yeah there are a number of, of groups and 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 parents for for equality are, are, are one that uh, I've been engaging with quite a lot particularly um on the sorry no equality for children apologies that's the, the name of the group the, I've been engaging with them quite a lot in terms of the uh, the surrogacy legislation we've had a number of meetings uh, in terms of what we can do there I, I think I, I think surrogacy is is probably the one that's that's growing the uh, the, the, the most at, at the moment. Um, and I think that's why it's so important that we provide that, that, that regulatory and that legal framework to provide protection for the children uh, and to make sure that the legal relationship between a child and, and their two mums or their two dads is, is is clear and strong and because I suppose you're always thinking of the situation if, if one of the parents pass away at some time uh, you want you know the other parent to be in a, in a position where their legal rights, in respect of, of, of that kid are, are absolutely clear and there's there's no questioning of those rights
1: and and what about visibility so I, I assume that the, your visibility uh, as a minister and gay man uh, m- must help a lot are they are there uh, dads who are visible and, and demonstrating same-sex uh, couple and family? In Ireland,
2: there are yes, yeah, and and the number of gay dads would be, I suppose, quite vocal in terms of the the, the current lack of, of proper legislation uh, with uh, w- with surrogacy, um, and uh, so yes, yeah, so there, there 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 definitely be visibility of the issue here in Ireland now. All
0: right, um, this. This has been a meaningful uh, interview meaningful. with a lot of important information, but that's over now, Minister. <laughs> and now okay. we're now we're going to move to the um, short but frivolous portion of the interview. Um, are you ready?
2: I'll take I'll take my tie off first. Just so take to, off the tie. Brace, brace, brace myself for this.
0: The fact that you might be wearing a tie while being audio interviewed uh, over the internet is calls a lot into question um the first is the first is this um i'm going to channel my grandmother right now and i'm going mm-hmm. to ask you so have you ever thought about having kids yourself
2: and <laughs> um, myself and my partner we're uh we're going out now what,
0: nine and a half years
2: uh, and uh, i don't think kids are on the agenda for for us Um i think uh we're both uh both very happy uh, as we are with each other and um i i think we're we're it'll, it'll probably just be the two of us but uh we're in at that stage in life now where a lot of our friends are, are having kids at the moment so we uh we can kind of play play the cool gay uncles and uh we're we're enjoying that part of it
1: it's actually a uh, a good thing because you know you can play with them. You can you and know just, just, and then just, just send them, them back.
0: Yeah. And by the way, if you find if you if you and your partner find yourself in Los Angeles and you just feel bereft of of children, uh, come on over uh, West Hollywood. We're yeah. Happy to dump our children on you for a period of time. Um, my next question. My next question in the silly portion is. Do you have any family-based cold and flu remedies that have been passed down to you, especially if they're absurd?
2: Um, well, my um, my 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 dad was a, a doctor, a GP, um, before he retired, and my mom was a nurse, so they're not wow. absurd, Um my uh, they'd be almost fully medically tested. But certainly, when you had a bad cough, the old honey and lemon drink, um, and uh, We call it a a sour and seamy in our house because. It was, It's sour and sweet. But when yep. I was small, I couldn't say sweet, so it would become called. It, it became known as a sour and see. <laughs> and it's still it's still known as that today. If if, if, mm-hmm. if I ring my mom and I'm coughing a bit, she's like, "Have a sour and see me now when you go home." So uh, honey, lemon, and hot water uh, mixed up is uh, our are, are kind of traditional family re- recipe.
0: It is becoming clear to us as we have now travelled around the globe, at least virtually, interviewing people that's. It's, it's a global yeah. remedy. It's, you know. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, now, for this, um, for this last question that I have. Owen, I, you're
1: being called out. I
0: told you I might do this. So we're going to start with the minister, um, and then we're going to pop over to Owen. Um, please give us the name. Of a gay icon from your country that you think the whole world should know about, or at least they should Google. Um, and this can, this does not have to be a gay individual. For example, for America, Madonna or Barbara Streisand are unquestionably gay icons. For
1: Australia, is Kylie, Kylie Minogue, no.
0: right? So, <laughs> so what do you have, Minister?
2: Well, I'm going to give you. A Two uh, more serious ones, and I'd say Owen will give you someone uh, a little bit more uh, exciting. So <laughs> the uh, person who held this office before me was called uh, is called Catherine Zappone. Uh, she was the minister for children before me, and she and her uh, her, her her late wife Anne Louise uh, took the court case against the Irish government in the two thousands. Uh, the uh, Zappone Gilligan uh, versus Ireland uh, to seek. Uh, legal status for their canadian marriage uh, they lost in our high court and they lost in our supreme court but the case kind of crystallizes i said the uh, movement towards uh, marriage equality in this country and the other person i'd cite is senator david norris uh, who was the only elected uh, gay official in ireland for many many years mm. uh, he was a member of our, of our senate and he took a case against ireland in the 1980s Uh, again, because of the prohibition on homosexuality that was written into Irish laws. It was actually a law from... Uh, 1861, from when when we were ruled by uh, by, by by Britain, and it was still a, on our books. So he lost again in the Irish Supreme Court. He then went to the European Court of Human Rights, where he won. And subsequently, then in 1993, he um he uh, in 1993 the then government uh, repealed the prohibition on uh, on male homosexual activity. So they would be two on uh, uh, gay icons who've done. Uh, an incredible amount to to advance the cause of LGBTI plus people in this country.
0: Excellent. And and by the way, I would I would point out that the reason why the law um, came came down in eighteen sixty one. You said,
2: yes. So eighteen sixty one was when the uh, uh, male homosexual activity across Britain and and Ireland was was officially right. made
0: illegal. And that, of course, is the case because prior to 1861, there had never been homosexual male activity. Um, So just didn't happen, just (laughs) like there is no now in Iran. There's no right, no like there's no homosexuality in Iran. Okay, we're going to now switch over, and I do expect a higher degree of frivolity, um, Owen, uh, from you um, in describing uh, a gay icon that the rest of us uh, outside of Ireland need to know
1: about. I just want to point out that Ireland also gave Johnny Logan, who is a massive gay icon, even though he's not gay, I think.
0: Who's Johnny Logan? Excuse me. I'm sorry. I'll tell you later. I'm an ignoramus.
1: Um, Mr. Ogun, Eurovision,
0: Owen will be furious
2: now because <laughs> Owen is the, uh, the 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 biggest Eurovision fan that there is, uh, and we have delivered a, a lot of Eurovision with, winners over the years. Yes, uh, and Johnny Logan is is one. Also, of course, Linda Martin, who's yeah. a, an icon in in her own in her own right. So yeah. um, now we're getting proud-
0: somewhere. <laughs> we you see i had to start the conversation <laughs> yes <laughs> I, don't,
2: I don't know i don't know if you can hear
1: me okay now because i i have my oh, oh, oh
0: now we, now yes. it's much better much better
1: <laughs> yeah yeah I, I just didn't have my headset. if, if we're talking about eurovision, eurovision greats obviously linda martin is right up there she is an absolute icon um but there's there's plenty of others as well that that we would look at like um uh, someone called Niamh Kavanagh Who oh, yeah. also entered for, for Ireland Absolute legend um, And then there's Emer Quinn who entered for mm. Ireland she, She's a legend um, And then of course is who, who everyone Should know is a woman called Twink um, And that has a different meaning For this woman than what mm. you might think But um, if if your listeners Google A woman called Adele King Who's also known as Twink okay. um, Particularly on, on YouTube You might find something amusing so, Excellent, yeah. this is That's what we great. like That's yes. great well, we're um, going to Google and put it on our page uh, at com slash Ireland.
0: Minister Roderick O'Gorman, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, we loved being in Ireland, even if it was only virtual for a little while.
2: Thank you for having me. Uh, I've really enjoyed this conversation. And uh, look, if ever you want to discuss Eurovision again, we're myself and the owner are, are on hand to uh, to, to to maybe maybe next year we can give some analysis of the of the the, the potential winners.
0: I don't think you yes. realise how likely it is that this will be followed up in five minutes with an email from my husband. That's a totally
2: different podcast
1: though. <laughs> All right, take care. All Thank nice. you. Thank you.
2: Thank you both very much. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. bye. Bye. Bye bye.
1: Square, the Gay Dads podcast with Jan. Alex. <laughs> we're back from the interview with Minister O'Gorman, and I told you we we're going to talk Eurovision. Yeah, we did I'm, it. I'm, we did it. I'm, we... I'm going to do a whole different podcast about Eurovision with Minister O'Gorman and Owen.
0: Oh my God, that is so exciting for me not to participate in.
1: Let's look at options for gay men in Ireland as far as parenting, okay? Okay. So surrogacy, so complicated. <laughs> so complicated. There's a void in the law as you probably heard and thank you to Mark Feely and all other dads who are famous and are vocal about this because yeah. thanks to them, it's get on the news there and people are talking about this. Yep. And the more people talk, maybe it will things will change. I'm going to post all of the uh, information about the surrogacy laws in Ireland on uh, daddysqr.com slash Ireland. Um, I'm not going to run through all the details, but all I can say is that even if the surrogate gives birth to your kid, it's not guaranteed that you will get custody of that kid, right, which because- is makes it even more uh, complicated.
0: Right. Because I, I, I do think what's so important here is that the surrogate has an opportunity, uh, whether she wants that opportunity or not, to claim the child. And that is, you know, that is a little bit different from the situation in the United States and some other countries. But yeah, it adds a lot of complexity to doing this
3: thing.
1: So as Minister O'Gorman said, surrogacy is very popular among gay men in Ireland, but most of them go to the United States and right. other countries. Um, and there are organizations like Men Having Babies who has conferences in Europe, um, which gives you an open door to everything that's going on in the US and, and you know kind of helps you do, do that. Uh, when you come back to Ireland, though, it's much easier because all you have to do is a paternity test. And I wonder whether I wonder whether we
0: shouldn't remind everybody that we try to go through this, especially in the gay dads around the world thing that we're doing uh, this season, uh, where we provide lots of information. But you know what? At the time that you are really ready to get started, it could not be more important for you to work directly with professionals who know what they're doing because laws change, policies change, All kinds of things change around the world. And so we hope that Men Having Babies, menhavingbabies.org, is a wonderful resource. And there are plenty of others that we've talked about on this show. Please do take advantage of them. We did not before we had kids. That was (laughs) a Okay, we're doing it now
1: for everybody. (laughs) Um, In regards to foster care, which is something that also uh, was mentioned in the interview, in Ireland there are currently over 6,000 children and young people in care, and ninety percent of them are in foster care. Ah. So it's still they're still looking. However, you there are a few things like requirement, like you have to be over twenty-five, you have to have a spare bedroom, like stuff like that. Right. When they check. But you know, I see it as a like something amazing to do. Um and something else that I learned while while researching foster care in Ireland is that there are people who are temporary foster care from the foster carers. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yes. So it's like if the family who actually takes care of that kid needs a break, you can take have them over for a while. And it I think it really helps anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, in regards to adoption, there's not a lot, thank God, kids for adoption in Ireland. However, there's a local adoption offices when you can uh, look and all the links in all the details Sorry, <clears throat> are now at daddysqr.com slash Ireland. Daddy It's time for MHB Corner.
0: Uh, Men Having Babies, the organization we've just been talking about, has been joining us every episode and giving us a little background that's um, general or specific uh, to a given country. And in this segment, we're talking with Ron Dayan, the executive director of Men Having Babies, about a really interesting topic, which is the rights that apply to the children of... Of surrogacy, we spend an awful lot of time because we're the dads thinking about the rights that apply to us. But I do mm-hmm. think that it's a really interesting and important angle to look at the rights that apply to the children of surrogacy. So let's hear from Ron Pouldian.
3: This is MHP Corner. Often, when we discuss uh, issues related to surrogacy ethics, uh, we focus on the issue on the process of surrogacy. Uh, the rights of surrogates and potential uh, criticism people have about the way children are coming into the world. However, a very important issue is also the standpoint and the angle of what are the rights of the children and what are the ethics regarded the children once they are born. For instance, there's a very famous and unfortunate case in France where actually a heterosexual couple had gone to the United States to have their twins through surrogacy and upon return found themselves in years and years of battle against French authorities to gain citizenship and recognition of their parental rights uh, for their twins. Uh, In fact, those twins are now young adults, and this went all the way to the uh, high court in the European Union and had finally been adjudicated and uh, ruled in their favor. But they basically grew up without most basic rights including citizenship health insurance and everything that uh, uh, you know is uh, related to that just because the authorities thought that by getting even the children they can deter people from going abroad to have children through surrogacy there is a lot of discourse uh, worldwide that starts with uh, some criticism surrogacy but eventually uh, organizations like, such as ours have been lobbying very strongly to the fact that regardless of how the child comes uh, into being, they should have inherent rights for citizenship and parentage and that they should be able to cross borders and and be able to uh, live discrimination-free uh, regardless of people's opinions about the process by which they were brought into the world.
1: I love it how we come a full circle because we started the interview with the Minister O'Gorman with the rights of kids. Like what Mark said, yeah. that Mark Feely said that uh, the children are here and we have to take care of them. Yes. It doesn't matter like by now, like what where they come from right. or how they come from.
0: Well, that's that's part of our the incredible magic of the way we weave our episodes, knowing all of the details. And po- okay, none of that really happens.
1: Um, Alex, listen. We are on the episode before the season finale, I right? I know. Throughout the season, you've been asking people in every episode the lightning round. I decided that I'm doing the lightning round with you. No, no, no. Oh my God, no. I can't yes. handle are it. Yes, are you ready for this? Can yes. you handle this? Yes. All right. Alex.
0: I am this is ready. going to be Bring very it. difficult. Bring it. What country am I representing? America.
1: Yourself. You okay. represent uh, yourself. Country,
0: I have thought of myself represent as a, as a your... nation, as a nation state. Go ahead. All right.
1: What? <laughs> am I doing it right? Yeah, you're good. <laughs> what was the first solid food you gave your kids?
0: Um, I think that it was yogurt with fruit mm-hmm. mixed into it. Wrong. What was it? Steak?
1: No, what? it was butternut squash.
0: I think it was yogurt with fruit mixed into it. Okay. I'm sorry.
1: We're going to post the correct answer. You Decided? mean the answer that you determine no, is the correct answer by the nanny?
0: Okay. She knows. Okay, right. Okay, what? that's a good idea. Okay.
1: We'll ask her. Okay. okay. It was by the nanny. Uh-huh. whatever. What is the most frequent meal? Oh,
0: well, okay. It has changed recently, but if we were to look over the course of the last like two years, should I say it so that sorry. everyone can hear? Oh, dinosaur-shaped chicken nugget things. Yes. That's we, for Ben.
1: Well, we yeah. We give them different stuff because Adam doesn't really like that. That's true.
0: Adam is a whack job. This child, you can give him a bowl of salad, and he literally, he picks up the bowl and drinks the juice of the salad out, and he goes, mmm. I think he's crazy. But anyway, yes. Okay. Yeah, Adam
1: is like uh, eggs and salad. Yes. And Ben is dinosaur-shaped chicken oh, okay. with ketchup.
0: God, by the way, never let ketchup dry. Wash your dishes immediately afterwards. Otherwise, you need a nuclear weapon to get it off. Go ahead.
1: Okay. Do you have a family cold or flu remedy? Yes.
0: Uh, Yes. And, you know, it's interesting because we are discovering through this wonderful, wonderful uh, uh, season that we're doing certain commonalities that bring the world together. Um, If you have... It, or your child has a sore throat. So not just like general illness, but sore throat. You get honey, and you get vinegar, vinegar. And you mix about one to one, because it should be really strong. If it's too strong, you can make it like two honeys to one vinegar. And you mix it up really, really good, and you just take a few spoonfuls of it once every hour or two. It's amazing. It's amazing. It like soothes your throat. It opens up your nose a little bit.
1: Yep. Okay, the last question and the most important question of all. Yes. Your gay icon. Yes. Your gay icon. Yes. Of all time. She or he doesn't have to be gay. Yes. Who was not mentioned throughout the season is your gay icon, Alex. What do you mean who
0: that was not mentioned who, during person the season?
1: Who, a person who was not mentioned. I can't use someone who was mentioned?
0: Yes. You're asking me who my icon is. Okay,
1: who is your gay icon? Yeah,
0: man? Jesus. You know, this is hard because I think Madonna deserves a lot. She, she was does. not
1: mentioned in the season. Well, fine. Well, you argue.
0: I'm arguing with myself. Okay. Listen, I got a lot to say. Madonna deserves so much credit. She really does. It's, it's almost unfair that I'm not giving it to her but I'm not. And Madge, I know you don't like being called Madge. You can come on this podcast and slap me across the face. Oh my god, that would be the best thing that ever happened to me in my whole life. But that's not what it is. It's share. It's share. Yeah. It's Cher. everything about share. It is And look, I'm not even so crazy about Share's music. I'm not her very carriage just the very being that is share she she i mean she's older so she's and and you know i'm i just turned 54 like i i remember her from from the 70s and and her hair and her bell bottoms and her everything and she has been she's been everything she's everything
1: and if you guys don't follow her on Twitter, you're missing out. She is hilarious. She's hilarious. She she's writes in she, foul
0: mouthed. She's everything.
2: <laughs> she I She writes about in a all woman. caps.
1: Yeah, I love that. Yeah, she's also Donald Trump's bestie. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I know you're not you're not asking me, but I'm gonna tell you my gay icon. Yeah, what's well, yours? Who was not mentioned because okay. I would say Kylie, Kylie or Danny. Uh, or Danny. Uh, but my gay icon, and I thought about it all day since I wrote this question for yes. you. Yes it's pete waterman so for for any of you who don't know who pete waterman is he probably is responsible to at least one of the songs that you were Listening, growing up gay in the closet, he is a British producer. Uh, a third of the producers talk: A. Waterman, who produced uh, Kylie Minogue and Rick Astley and Banana Rama and Dead or Alive and a lot of other Donna Summer, a lot of a lot of oh, other people. That you, you spin me right. Oh, you Sorry. spin me round. You spin me right round, baby, right round. Yeah. Whatever that is, that's them. Um, and all of their songs basically sound
0: like that. So you should easily be able to tell <laughs> when it's his music.
1: Yes, and I would mention just one thing that I've read his autobiography in like two days yes and he describes how he grabbed this whole sound by visiting gay clubs in the early 80s so it's all like drawn from the underground gay scene and Mm. i'm surprised how much he as a straight guy basically music producer decided to take this gay underground and turn it into like the most successful you know pop uh, that it was during the whole 80s. It's called cultural appropriation, and I love it.
0: I wanted to talk for a moment about a really interesting challenge that I have when I'm not happy. So, everybody goes through periods of time where things aren't going right, they're in a bad mood for whatever reason, right? And I, you know, when you don't have kids, you can just kind of you know, curl up in a ball on the floor and, and, and hide and whatever. But when you have kids, you have responsibilities, you have to be with them, etc. cetera. And I'm really curious. I'm really interested about where you draw the line, where you, our listeners draw the line between a time when you're in a terrible mood, you just feel awful um, emotionally and you stay with the kids and where you go that next step, where you just feel so much like shit that you say to your, you know, your partner, um, "I, I shouldn't be with the kids right now because I'm just in a terrible state of mind." Now, on one hand, I look at it and I say, "It's really important that my children be able to see me when I'm miserable." not if that's all the time, but you know, that they not think that I'm some caricature of a happy dad where everything is perfect. Right. So I, I do want them to see that I do want them to start even at the age of, you know, three, four or five years old to understand that, you know, daddy is really sad right now. And that's just the way it is, you know. Um, but on the other hand, I really don't know. So what how far do you go with that how how much do you expose your children to who you know to what you really feel like
1: i'm i'm all for saying to them that is really sad right now because it, they observe and they learn to uh, how to be that it's okay. It's okay to be sad. This is a situation and it passes. You know? So I'm I'm like all for it.
0: I think it all it it does depend a little bit on, on what you're capable of doing for the kids. So in other words, if you're if you're so miserable that you're really not going to be able to interact with them in the way that they need, you know, uh just on a normal basis or whatever, then I suppose you have to turn over the parenting they're temporarily. Gonna say, to they're gonna else. say okay.
1: They're gonna say I think they're gonna be in a the empathetic. You want to try? You want to call, call I, one of our kids? I, <laughs> Let's call them Adam. I think Let's I, call Adam. Hello.
0: Come sit. Hi. Hi. This is my son Adam. So, Adam, I have a question for you. Yeah? Daddy is in a bad mood. Why? You know, I'm having trouble with work and things and I'm just not particularly happy right now and I hope that you can help me feel like I'm in a better mood. Can you do that? Mm-hmm. And what, what are you going to do to help me? Give you a present. You're going to give me a present? That actually might help me. Do I get to know what the present is? Yeah. What's the present? It's a iPhone 12. You're giving me an iPhone 12. Steve Jobs, ladies and
1: gentlemen. All right, you guys, I hope uh, you'll get yourselves ready because we're going to take our last flight together uh, next week. That's right. It's not going to be fun. Well, it's gonna, of course, it's going to be
0: fun, but let's well, just say... The flight say is going to be fun. I I'm
1: not sure like where we land next week, <laughs> right. so we're going to leave it for next week. I
0: think it's one of those things where the flight's fun, but the landing isn't so great.
1: <laughs> um, All right. Yeah, guys, we're going to see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye, guys.
0: QR.com